It is Thursday, November 12th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 10 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And Jared, let us jump right into a Week 10 that will not include the Falcons, no Cowboys, no Chiefs, no Jets, doesn't usually. But it will include the Colts and Titans who kick things off on Thursday night. This game opened with the Titans favored by two and a half. Now it's Colts by one. Do you know why? Is there some player missing that I am not aware of? No, I noticed that too. I mean, I know when, you know, when, when games stay within that three point mark, I think there, you know, there's not a whole lot of impact. So I think, I think the shift in odds is probably looks more uh, meaningful than, than it actually is from a betting perspective. I mean, I, I do like Tennessee plus a point at home though. I don't understand why the Colts would be favored in this game at all. To me, they're at least even as a team's. So I don't know. It shocked me when I saw the line. I thought that there was something wrong. Maybe go check the news to see if there was some injury I was unaware of, but there's not, I didn't find anything. If anything, the Colts are getting healthier. Um, Titans are just fine. Jack Doyle's out with a concussion. Mo Ali Cox is questionable with a knee. Trey Burton is the top play at tight end. I think it certainly helps him if Ali Cox is not playing in this game. And if Mo Ali Cox does play, he's a deep possibility. Yeah. I expect Ali Cox to play. He's been dealing with a knee for a few weeks now. He was listed as a full participant on Wednesday. So should be in there, you know, having a knee injury on a short week makes me a bit nervous about him. It is a good matchup though. Tennessee's 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Football outsiders has them 29th in tight end coverage. So Burton, definitely the better play. Like I I think Burton's a borderline top 12 option this week. Allie Cox is, you know, decent if you, if you're desperate this week. Yeah. The only thing hurting Burton is that they have multiple tight ends, but I I think we've said before, this is one offense that I think is capable of supporting two of them. And it's a matchup that favors the position. So uh, I'm fine with playing either one Burton first. T.Y. Hilton is back. It's tough to say who's going to lose playing time with T.Y. Hilton back healthy. I assume that he is going to jump back into the top three because he's the veteran. It's likely either Marcus Johnson or Zach Pascal, and I'm not really sure which one it'll be. Zach Pascal was third among Colts in wideouts, uh, among Colts wideouts in snaps and routes last week with T.Y. Hilton out. But the week before, the game before, when T.Y. Hilton left early, Zach Pascal led the position in those categories. That was Michael Pittman Jr.'s first game back from IR. So I think it's still a developing situation. I'm not really sure who between Marcus Johnson and Zach Pascal would lose time. Yeah, my guess is it's Johnson. It's just a guess. Though. I just think, you know, he's like the speedster, sort of most similar to T.Y. Hilton. Um, I think, you know, Pascal will probably stay as the primary slot guy. Although the Colts have used T.Y. In, in the slot, too. I, I think the takeaway is with T.Y. back, it's probably a situation to avoid, even though it is a good matchup against Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, we should be looking way down the list if you're considering any of these guys. I think Hilton and Pittman would probably be my top two wide receivers that I'm playing, both here and going forward. Pittman, especially, uh, his second game back, he was a starter from IR. His last game before he went on IR, he was a starter. So I think the Colts want him to become a primary option for them. And he certainly built like somebody who could be. I mean, go back to the spring and how much the Colts liked this guy. I mean, they they took Pittman ahead of Jonathan Taylor in the second round. Uh, Coaching staff and the front office was raving about him. So I I definitely expect Pittman to remain uh, a full-time player the rest of the way. T.Y. Hill, I would not use in fantasy lamps. You know, he wasn't good to begin with, coming off an injury on a short week. Um, so I, if I had to pick a Colts wide receiver, I'd go with Michael Pittman this week. Yeah, I can lean that way as well. And I mean, it, like I said, you should be looking way down the list if you're considering any of these guys. Running back, another frustrating <laughs> spot for the Colts. I mean, basically, if you don't have to use any Colts this week, it would be really nice. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Wilkins led Jonathan Taylor, though, in carries for the second straight game last week. Wilkins edged Taylor in snaps. Wilkins and Naheem Hines are both higher graded runners than Jonathan Taylor for the season, according to Pro Football Focus. Are we all just being too stubborn by continuing to rank Taylor ahead of Wilkins? Maybe. I mean, man, I it's tough to believe that Jonathan Taylor can be a bust when you just look at his prospect profile. But I mean, you know, we're also only halfway into his rookie season, so I'm not writing him off yet. The, the Colts still want Taylor to be the guy. He's been the first guy in there, even these last two weeks. It's just Two weeks ago, he had the ankle injury, which I buy was a reason that, you know, Wilkins sort of took over. Then last week, he had the fumble. After Taylor fumbled, he only got one carry and one target over the final three quarters. Wilkins got nine carries and two targets. So, you know, I, I expect the Colts to go back to Taylor again to start this game. And then, you know, it's, it's probably going to be a hot hand situation from that point forward. So if I'm picking, I still lean Taylor. But, I mean, I think the Colts don't even know how the how the back, how the backfield split's going to work tonight. 
Yeah, I mean, a few weeks ago, we would have probably expected Jonathan Taylor to be a top 15 fantasy back heading into this week. He's not. He is at the bottom of, of RB2 territory at best. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I would love to not have to play any of these guys because you definitely count, can't count on any of them. I mean, even if Taylor's still the first guy in, you'd have to assume at this point that Jordan Wilkins gets a good bit of work. Naheem yeah. Hines gets some amount of snaps. He still hasn't reached 40% playing time, though, since week one. So it seems like the Colts are reluctant to give too much more to Naheem Hines. I guess that at least care, helps the carry out looks for Wilkins and Taylor. Yeah, again, Taylor, my first guy here, but, you know, he, he's in RB3 range. It's definitely possible you have, you know, two or three running backs that are better options than him this week. And then if Jordan Wilkins outplays him, or at least uh, outplays him in playing time this week, next week we might just have to move on to the other guy. Yep. Yep. The backfield struggles, I think, might just make um, Phillip Rivers a better player than he seems to be heading in. He's playing a defense that rates 24th in pass defense DVOA, three touchdown passes in two straight before last week's matchup with Baltimore, but... Those are also the only two games all season that Phillip Rivers has thrown more than one touchdown pass. Yeah, he still has just two games all season where he finished better than quarterback 18 on the week. So you know, he's he's probably played better than I was give, giving him credit for early in the season, but you know, he's still not much of a fantasy option. Yeah, and Indy would like to not have to have him do too much. His 260.9 passing yards per game are his lowest since 2012. On the Tennessee side, the matchup does downgrade all the key pieces. You're not sitting Derrick Henry or A.J. Brown, though. Corey Davis down wide receiver three territory, but he does get Indy's worst performing corner in primary coverage, Rocky Sin. So I would lean Corey Davis over guys like AJ Green, T Higgins, probably John Brown, Cole Beasley, even though Corey Davis stunk last week against Chicago. Yeah, I prefer like T Higgins and probably even John Brown over Corey Davis this week. Um, yeah, Gusag for Davis last week. I think he just saw, saw just three targets. I mean, he, he did have 11 plus PPR points in five straight games before that. I think we mentioned last week, I, I just think. You know, this passing game probably still can't support like three viable fantasy guys. So I think it's going to be like John U. Smith, Corey Davis sort of sort of battling for that spot behind A.J. Brown. So I, I just think Davis is, you know, one of those volatile wide receiver threes. Not a great matchup here. I, good point about Davis having the better cornerback matchup. But I respect the Colts defense. I don't think the Titans have a big game offensively tonight. So, you know, that, that makes Davis more of a low end wide receiver three for me this week. Yeah, I would say he and John Brown are pretty even. Just depends on who happens to get targets here. Um, certainly not a clear lean for me for Davis there. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's outside the top 12, but I think you could do worse than him this week. Two touchdown passes on just 10 of 21 passing against the Bears last week. Two plus touchdowns for him in seven of eight games this season. Yeah, um, three straight weeks outside the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks for Tannehill. Two of those have come against the Steelers and Bears, who we know are top eight quarterback defenses. But he gets another top eight quarterback defense here in the Colts, who are fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Football Outsiders has them fifth in pass defense. So tough matchup for Tannehill. I mean, he's not like a must bench, but... Um, I think there are some streaming options you could play over him this week. Yeah, I think you can find more upside elsewhere, but I wouldn't go dropping him to get Phillip Rivers to play in this game. Agreed. Jonu Smith, bad matchup, but there is reason for optimism after his past two games, right? Yeah, um, season high in route rate for Jonu Smith last week. Actually, the second straight week, he set a season high in route rate. So he, I mean, he's out there. Targets haven't been there. Um, just eight total targets for Jonu over the last three games. Anthony Ferkser has 11 targets over that span. So it's not even like the Titans aren't targeting tight ends. It's just, you know, Ferkser, for whatever reason, is getting the looks. Jonu, like a borderline tight end one for me this week. Like you said, it, it is a tough matchup. The Colts haven't allowed a tight end touchdown all season. Yeah, I would probably, I would go for Austin Hooper as somebody over Jonu Smith this week. Yeah, Hooper over Jonu pretty easily for me. Eagles at Giants. Eagles by three and a half in this one, over under 44 and a half. That's up three and a half from where it started, at least. Carson Wentz, a strong starter this week, unless you lose significant points for sacks and interceptions. Um, Travis Fulgham, a good option as well, although still a developing pass catching picture for Philly with Dallas Goddard and Jalen Rager heading into their second games back. Yeah, and Alshon Jeffrey possibly back this week. I don't know how much that's going to mean. I don't know what he has left coming off a couple different injuries. Uh, but, I mean, uh, Lane Johnson looks like he'll be back, too. I, just just as healthy as the Eagles offense has potentially been all season. Miles Sanders, too, coming back. So, um, Wentz threw for 359 yards and two touchdowns against the Giants a few weeks ago. That came on 43 pass attempts. It was a game, you know, the Eagles actually played from behind for a lot of um, – but, the, you know, the rushing production we've talked about has been pretty consistent for Wentz. So, if you can add that – to, you know, maybe elevated passing numbers with the weapons getting healthier. I think he's a pretty solid uh, quarterback one play this week. Yeah, he has especially seen some use near the goal line. So those touchdowns are for real, even if they're not going to stay at that level. 
maybe he loses some more of that with Miles Sanders back, but uh, it certainly helps. And getting the healthier offense can only help the quarterback. Travis Fulgham, like I said, his five catches for 73 yards against the Giants the first time stands as his worst fantasy outing with the Eagles so far through five games, 25 plus percent target share in four straight games. You know, we'll see what having Jalen Rager and Dallas Goddard back means, but there's enough to go around to at least those three plus Miles Sanders. This has been a pass leaning team overall. Jalen Rager's getting some buzz this week. It's his second game back from IR, as I mentioned. To me, he's a boom bust guy. I mean, they, he we know he has the speed. We know that Carson Wentz loves throwing the ball deep. He's been throwing a bunch deep to John Hightower. So if he's willing to do that, he should be willing to try Jalen Rager downfield. But we haven't seen a whole lot of targets. We've only seen three games of any Jalen Rager. So it's tough to know exactly how much target share we can expect. Yeah, he did see 22% of the targets uh, in Philly's last game before the bye. It was only six targets for Rager. It was a low-volume game for Carson Wentz. Um, ran a route on 67% of Wentz's dropbacks in that game. He was at 84% uh, route rate in his last game before the injury. So I, I think he's going to get back up to that area. You know, he, He's definitely a boom-bust guy as a rookie coming off you know a pretty long absence be, before the bye week. But you know, there's definitely upside here. I still think there's a chance Rager, as, as good as Fulgham's been, and he, he has been better than I – would admit since he's, you know, coming into the starting lineup, but I think there's still a good chance Rager emerges as the Eagles top wide receiver the rest of the way. Yeah. I would say that there is a chance um, this week. I would say that if you're fishing down in, you know, deep wide receiver four range, there are probably guys in our rankings that I would take a shot on Rager over just because I think the ceiling is higher. And really if he catches one of those like 55 yard touchdowns, I mean, that's your game right there. Yeah, most of those guys you mentioned talking about Corey Davis, I would start over Rager, including Corey Davis. I think I'd, I'd go Rager over someone like Cole Beasley um, mm-hmm. just for the upside. But, yeah, I mean, he's definitely in the mix with those guys. Yeah, over somebody like Cole Beasley, over uh, somebody like Randall Cobb for me too. Yep, agreed. Dallas Goddard, I love the target ceiling this week. I know he only saw one last week, but he came back as the clear number one tight end. Richard Rodgers only played 17 snaps in that game. Richard Rodgers had six catches for 85 yards in that first meeting with the Giants. Our strength of schedule page says it's a negative matchup, but Football Outsiders says the Giants are 24th in tight end coverage DVOA. I don't have any reason to actually fear the Giants matchup. Yeah, I'm going to lean more towards Football Outsiders there and say this is you know, probably a plus matchup for tight ends. You mentioned what Richard Rodgers did, and Goddard obviously a much better pass catcher. Dallas Goddard saw 20% of the Eagles' targets over the first two weeks of the season. That was with Zach Ertz on the field. So I think you know, he should see at least 20% going forward and you know, might even get up into the mid-20s. By the way, a related note before we get too far away from Jalen Rager, we got a question from uh, Twitter from Jay Hamilton Smith asks, Darnell Mooney or Jalen Rager rest of season? And I've seen this question before, and I'm honestly not sure completely which way I would go. What about you, Jared? Yeah, I got to go Rager there. Mooney's usage has been awesome, but the fantasy production has been just okay. And I think that's going to continue just because he's catching passes from Nick Foles. Yeah, I think the quality of the offense, the quality of the quarterback, even though Carson Wentz is, might be having his worst season so far as a passer, I would have to lean Jalen Rager as well. It's not one of those clear-cut things. If Darnell Mooney ends up outscoring Jalen Rager the rest of the way, I wouldn't be shocked. But if I have to pick one, I'm going for Jalen Rager. I mean, again, Mooney has legitimately been seeing like wide receiver one usage, but um, you know, just with, with Nick Foles, the production isn't going to follow. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders limited Wednesday like you said looks like he's coming back this week um he had he missed the past two games with that knee injury uh, that of, clu- of course included the first Giants meeting but Miles Sanders is going to be a boon to fantasy lineups as soon as he's back on the field yeah definitely he averaged uh, about 21 opportunities per game in his four full games this season Giants 22nd and adjusted fantasy points allowed to RB so I, I think Sanders is an RB1 right out of the gate here on the Giants side, Devontae Freeman came back for a limited Wednesday practice. He has an ankle issue that cost him the past two games. Um, Wayne Gallman, though, has been solid over the past three, starting with that Philly game that Devontae Freeman left early with the injury. For me, even if Freeman's back, I'd still favor Wayne Gallman unless we hear from Giants coaches that Freeman's going to be the lead back. Yeah, I mean, that's not crazy. I, mean, I think Gallman is a better player than Freeman at this point of their careers. Now, Freeman was like the clear lead back before the injury. He was averaging – uh, a little over 15 carries and three targets per game in his three full games as a starter. It, I, I think we're totally guessing how the workload would be split. Mm-hmm. So if Freeman's back, especially in a pretty tough matchup, I would try to avoid the Giants' backfield. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Colt situation for me where I, I hope I don't have to use any of them, but if I'm sitting there with Wayne Gallman and Devontae Freeman, I'd go with the guy who has at least been healthy yeah. and pr- producing decently over the past three weeks. It's funny that, you know, you say he's looked decent. Uh, he's only had one of those three games be above four yards per carry, so it's not like Wayne Gallman's tearing it up. 
Yeah, it's a cold situation with a lot less upside. Sterling Shepard was limited Wednesday with toe and hip issues. Uh, I guess we're, I'm not too worried about him at this point, but we're going to have to watch him this week just to make sure he's good to go for the game. And he's been the lead wide receiver for the Giants since returning from his previous injury, has led Darius Slayton in targets each of the past three games, eight, 10, and eight targets in those games. Yeah, eight targets per game for Shepard this season. Saw eight targets in the first game against the Eagles, caught six for 59 in a score. Clearly the Giants' top wide receiver, and I think you know a pretty high floor wide receiver three in fantasy lineups. Um, Evan Ingram, by the way, is also getting back on track. Nine-plus targets, five-plus catches in three straight games. Close to a much bigger game against the Eagles, as we all know at this point. Just missed that longer catch off his fingertips. So I think he's looking now more like the weekly starter that he really should have been all along. Yeah, I mean, the volume stuff says, you know, he should be an easy tight end one. He's third among all tight ends and targets, fifth in catches, ninth in receiving yards. You know, scored his first touchdown of the season last week. That's sort of what, what had been holding him back. A really nice matchup here, too, for Ingram. Uh, Football Outsiders has the Eagles 28th in tight end coverage and their 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. And I think that's it for pass catchers for me among Giants. Yeah. I, I would hope to not play Darius Slayton in this game. You can if you need to, but I, I would try to avoid it. Yeah, just five and a half targets per game for Slayton with Sterling Shepard. He was averaging seven per game without Shepard. Plus, Slayton's going to see the most of Darius Slay, who's you know, easily the Eagles' toughest corner. Houston Texans at Cleveland Browns. Browns by three, over under 54. That's down five from where it opened. David Johnson looks likely to sit out with his concussion. That makes it Duke Johnson time. I want to get excited about Duke Johnson, but he's been worse than David Johnson in both rushing and receiving DVOA so far this year. Yeah, so... uh First of all, with the over-under, this looks like another wind game. Um, the early forecast has like gusts up to 40 miles per hour, which is pretty close to what we got in that Browns-Raiders game a few weeks ago. So unfortunately, this might be another spot where we have to knock the passing games well down the rankings. Um, yeah, Duke, I mean, I still believe in Duke Johnson. You know, I, I don't think he's gotten the ball enough this year to, to really say, like, you know, David Johnson's better. I think he's at least as good as David Johnson. But really, it's a volume play. I mean, behind – Duke Johnson is going to be Buddy Howell and then our boy CJ Procise, who's on the Texans practice squad. It sounds like he'll get called up if David Johnson can't go, but I would expect Duke Johnson to get, you know, close to 100% of Houston's running back touches in this game. Yeah, I agree with that. Cleveland, the Cleveland matchup has been slightly negative so far, but it's a good situation if he's getting uh, nearly all of the touches. He's well within starter range in our rankings, low end RB1, falls short of being truly exciting, but it's a good spot. The Texans, by the way, are averaging 409 total yards, 28.3 points per game in the four games since Bill O'Brien got fired, 327 and a half yards, 20 points per game over the first four games of the season now. Obviously, not the same matchups in those sets of four games. They faced the Ravens and Steelers before O'Brien went, but at the very least, the offense is not suffering for their offensive-minded head coach of many years having moved on. Yeah, I mean, we know Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, locked-in starters. Randall Cobb, you mentioned him before. Um, he's averaging 5.8 targets per game over the last four since O'Brien was fired. Um, the Browns are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, so it is a good matchup for Randall Cobb. Again, we'll have to keep an eye on the weather, though. On the Browns' side, we're going to have to keep an eye on Nick Chubb, awaiting uh, final clearance, but it sounds like he's feeling like he should be able to play. Both Browns running backs are still in play, though, even if Nick Chubb comes back. Small samples, obviously, from this season, but Kareem Hunt scored just as well with Nick Chubb in the lineup over the first three games as he has since then and saw 19, 12, and 19 opportunities in those three games. Right. It was uh, 17 carries per game for Chubb over, over those first three weeks, 13 for Kareem Hunt, and Hunt averaged 3.7 targets per game. Nick Chubb just one target per game. Two of those games, you know, one of those games was a blowout loss to Baltimore. One of the others was a blowout win over Washington. I remember even back then thinking at the time that maybe Hunt's volume was a bit boosted just from, you know, sort of the weird game flows. But I mean, in, in Nick Chubb's first game back from injury, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, so closer to a 50-50 split here. And the matchup's so good that I think both those guys are easy fantasy starters. Before the week nine bye, Jarvis Landry saw a season-high 11 targets in the first game after Odell Beckham's ACL tear. You mentioned the win, but that's a 44% share of Baker Mayfield's pass attempts. So no other Browns saw more than three targets in that game. Landry certainly has a higher floor now that Beckham's out. We'll see about the weather for that game heading into Sunday. Yeah, uh, Jarvis just missed two touchdowns in that game, too. It was you know just out of bounds on one of them. One of the other ones, you know, he caught in the end zone and it got broken up by a big hit. Um, Houston 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So, you know, barring crazy win, I think Jarvis is a pretty solid starter this week. 
And Austin Hooper's coming back, a full practice Wednesday, coming off his appendectomy, three straight five-catch games before he went down for that. As we mentioned, Odell Beckham is now out. That can only help the available targets, assuming the weather is okay for some passing. Fifth best remaining schedule for tight end matchups uh, with Austin Hooper. The Giants in Week 15, the only non-positive matchup on the strength of schedule page. And like I said, with the Eagles game, that's not a matchup I'm likely to avoid with a tight end. So Austin Hooper... Not only fine for this week, but I think a, a, a good-looking fantasy asset for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think he you know, should pretty easily be a top 10 tight end the rest of the way. I think he's even better than that this week against Houston. Um, 25th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings, 18th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Jacksonville Jaguars at Green Bay Packers. Packers by 13. Over-under is 50. That's down 3.5 from where it started. Jake Luton did a nice job in his debut. A surprisingly good job, I guess we should say. But... It's still just James Robinson, DJ Chark for me here. And even DJ Chark has a negative matchup against Jair Alexander. So I just caught this um, this afternoon, but Jair Alexander looks very iffy after um, playing a concussion last week. So that, that's a huge boost for Chark's matchup. He saw 12 targets from Luton last week. That was a 32% target share. He was fourth among all wide receivers in air yards on the week. So you know, I, I think he was going to be like a lower end wide receiver too. And he still will be if Alexander gets clear, but if not, I think Chark becomes like a high end wide receiver too. That's a good point. I forgot about the injury with Jair Alexander, 14, seven and 12 targets for Chark over the past three games. So we don't even have to project the usage. It looks good. Um, Robinson's receptions, by the way, dried up last week, but he still ran 20 routes to Chris Thompson's 13. So I wouldn't panic on the passing aspect just yet, but we're watching after last week. <laughs> with the Jags 14 point underdogs on the road, you think like Robinson's a shaky fantasy play, but you, you can't bet against him at this point. The guy's been a top 12 half PPR running back in five of his eight games this season. Hasn't dropped below 31st in any week. So he's, he's just been a steady option. Um, even though the passing game usage has been a bit shaky with Thompson on the field. Yeah. And I mean, it, even if they do fall way behind in this game, it's not like they're only going to hand it to James Robinson eight times. So maybe he gets 15 carries instead of 24. Yeah, awesome matchup, too, on the ground, by the way. The uh, Packers 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. On the Packers' side, you play everyone. Do we have any word yet on whether Alan Lazard has a chance to return this week? One of the Packers beat writers this afternoon, I think Rob Domowski from, from ESPN, said he expects Lazard back this week. Um, you know That would make Marquez Valdez-Scantling a shakier fantasy play. Probably wouldn't want to use Lazard in his first game back. But, I mean, then again, the Packers have, what, a 31 or whatever, 31.5-point implied total, so... I think, you know, no, no Packer is a bad fantasy play this week. Right. If you're reaching way down there, it's somebody you can take a shot on because of the team. I wouldn't go out of my way to play either of those Packers wideouts in this game. Robert Tunyon is in play. He's a boom bust guy, but that's at a position where boom bust at least gives you some value. He had a bad matchup last week against the 49ers. So I'm willing to basically toss out the one target game, but we know that that's the floor on him. If the Packers don't need him the game before he had five catches for 79 against Minnesota, a game they lost. So, you know, maybe game flow dictates it some, but really it's just kind of been up and down enough that he's basically a, a touchdown or bust kind of guy heading in most likely. Exactly. I think he's a touchdown or bust guy moving forward. Um, just three and a half targets per game for Tunyon over the last four with Devonta Adams back. He was up at 4.7 per game with Adams out the previous three. His route rates have been down below 55% the past two games. But I mean, we're talking about a TD or bust guy again in a game with the Packers have a 31 and a half point implied total. I think he's a pretty decent touchdown bet. So I think he's okay if you need him. Just know if he doesn't score, he's, he's probably going to hurt you. Yeah. Anything else in that game? No, start Aaron Jones. I think Jamal Williams is even in play this week, um, you know, as the clear number two, but it could be a game where the Packers run it 30 plus times against a bad Jags run D. Yeah, if you're looking way down, you can take a shot on Jamal Williams, but uh, it would be nice if you don't have to. <laughs> Washington at Detroit, the Lions by three and a half in this one, 46 and a half over under. Alex Smith is going to make his first start in two years. His two appearances so far this season, though, have included six sacks among 24 dropbacks against the Rams and three interceptions against the Giants. So there's high upside for the Lions defense this week. Yeah, I'm just scared every time watching Alex Smith out on, out on the field after that leg injury. So, you know, he's he's not a fantasy option. Terry McLaurin will be fine. You're starting him. Um, Logan Thomas, watch Tracy Walker's status because, you know, he's the Lions shutdown tight end guy. We saw Irv Smith score twice last week with Walker out. If Walker's out again this week, I think Logan Thomas gets a matchup boost. 
Yeah, Walker has been back at practice so far this week, but it's limited. He's got a foot issue, so we'll watch and see if he's going to be active for the game. Antonio Gibson also bears watching this week. He he missed Wednesday's practice with a shoulder issue. Have you seen a Thursday update on him yet? I saw he was back on the field. I haven't seen you know the full or limited designation yet. I, I think he's going to play. Um, you know, he, Gibson's basically just turned into like a two-down grinder because J.D. McKissick is getting all the you know third down and passing down stuff, which is crazy considering you know Gibson was basically a running back wide receiver hybrid in college. Yeah, J.D. McKissick continues to be a more attractive option than he really should be, but uh, he's in a good spot. I mean, the biggest knock on Alex Smith has always been his propensity for checking down. So if anything, Alex Smith in there might even help J.D. McKissick going forward. Yeah, Washington got McKissick and Gibson on the field together last week, too. McKissick played 83% of the snaps. Uh, 26 of his snaps were in the backfield. He also played 19 snaps either in the slot or out wide. So he's almost like a wide receiver running back hybrid at this point. Um, Detroit's 30th in football outsiders running back coverage rankings. They're allowing 11.1 yards per catch to running backs, which is a huge number. So it's a nice spot for McKissick. I think he's you know, kind, of, kind of an ugly, but probably a, a pretty solid play in PPR leagues. Yeah, J.D. McKissick is strangely Curtis Samuel with more opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's ridiculous. It shouldn't yeah. be the case, but that's what he is right now. Yep. On the Lions side, it's still looking like no Kenny Galladay. Missed practice Wednesday with that hip injury. I haven't seen the Thursday update yet, but it doesn't sound like he's likely to play this week, right? Yeah, I think he'll be out again. Uh, Matt Stafford's weekly finishes without Kenny Galladay this season have been 20th, 19th, and 26th. I think we have to take Washington's pass defense for real by now. Football Outsiders still has them first in pass defense DVOA, and they are uh, ninth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Yeah, not a matchup where I would be benching Patrick Mahomes, but a matchup where I'm, I'm comfy benching Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I would, um, I would start both quarterbacks in tonight's game over Stafford. Yeah, I would too. And uh, Kenny Galladay's absence continues to not boost Marvin Jones, right? Yeah, I mean, his usage hasn't really changed with or without Kenny Galladay. Um, just four targets last week, uh, 15% target share in the games Kenny Galladay has missed, which is not a good number. And again, Washington – First in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So, you know, not a good matchup for Marvin Jones. He, he's, you know, probably another touchdown or bus guy. Yeah. Danny Amendola is not a touchdown or bus guy. Uh, 10 targets last week, seven catches for 77 yards. Probably the higher floor play than Marvin Jones at this point. Yeah. He's seen 24 targets in the three games Kenny Galladay has missed, you know, again, versus just 18 for Marvin Jones. Um, Amendola has five and seven catch games when Galladay's been out. He has a two catch game sprinkled in there, but. I mean, in, in PPR leagues, Amendola is probably a safer play than Marvin Jones. Yeah, if you're looking down in like wide receiver four range, Danny Amendola is your floor and Jalen Rager is your ceiling. That's the kind of range they set on. Yep. It's a fine spot for DeAndre Swift. Not exciting, but he worked as the backfield leader last week in the loss to Minnesota. Interestingly, though, Adrian Peterson matched his targets at five and Carrion Johnson took three targets. So even as the backfield leader and the clear carry leader, DeAndre Swift was not the clear receiving leader. Good news, bad news for Swift's usage last week. He led the Lions in carries for the second straight week. Got He got another five targets. His snap rate, though, was down to 40% after it was a season-high 62% the previous week. And Kerryon Johnson ran more pass routes than DeAndre Swift last week. It was 37% for Johnson versus just 33 for DeAndre Swift. So kind of frustrating. Um, he, he still sits, you know, like in RB2 range in our rankings. I think, you know, you're probably going to get 15 or so touches out of him. Mm-hmm. That's all I got for that game. You got anything else? Yeah. I mean, TJ Hawkinson's our second ranked tight end for the week. So yeah, that he's been good, but that tells you how shaky tight end is. He also missed practice Thursday, I believe. So we're going to have to watch just to make sure that he's good to go this week. That would be, that would be sad. Yeah. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers bucks mm-hmm. by five down one from where it started over under 50 and a half. I'm going to throw out the Saints game from Sunday night until the Bucks show me that it's a mistake to do so. So with that in mind, Tom Brady, all three wide receivers, Rob Gronkowski, all back in play for me. I am still looking to trade Mike Evans, though, if anybody's interested. Yeah, I really want to see Brady bounce back here. Or else I'm going to be worried about him because you remember last year, he really struggled down the stretch in New England. And obviously, you know, he wasn't working with much there, but he was much better in September and October than he was in November and December. So I, I want to see a strong outing here from Brady. Not an easy matchup. You know, Carolina's still second in adjusted fantasy points points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, they're 10th in fantasy points allowed per pass attempt over the last five weeks. So I think, you know, still a tougher matchup. Panthers held Brady to just 217 yards in a score back in week two. I think Brady's more settled in now. He has Antonio Brown. So I expect a better outing. But again, if, if he struggles here, um, it, it'll be time to worry about Brady going forward. 
I mean, last year too, the Patriots also played a like a, a very easy schedule of opponents in the first half and then a much tougher schedule in the second half. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, but we'll certainly be watching. I mean, if they has another game like yeah. he did against the Saints, it's definitely going to be time to worry because no quarterback starting for a football team should have two games like he did in that one. Yeah, I mean, well, he's like 41 years old, so it wouldn't be surprising if he's, you know, tailing off over the second half of the year. Leonard Fournette doubled up Ronald Jones's playing time last week, even though Jones was the first guy on the field. So maybe it's finally Fournette time. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, they, they keep starting with Jones and then they, Fournette ends up with more work um, over the last three weeks, 27 carries for Fournette versus 23 for Ronald Jones. And then Fournette is dominating the passing down stuff, 19 targets to 10 for Ronald Jones in this matchup. I think both guys are fantasy starters. You know, they're both inside the top 25 in our rankings this week. Fournette is the better play. On the Panthers' side, Christian McCaffrey's out with his shoulder injury. So Mike Davis is back into starter territory, but he cooled off a bit after his hot start. He did cool off. You know, the volume and the efficiency went down. He only had 168 total yards and one touchdown over his final three games as lead back. And th this matchup is obviously brutal. You know, Tampa, one of the tougher running back matchups in the league, both on the ground and in the passing game. But, I mean, Davis still – a safe bat for 15 plus touches could still get up over 20. So, you know, he, he's a fine RB two play, right? He's a solid play, but he's certainly not a must. If you're in good shape at running back, not, not the must that he looked like over like his first three or four starts. Yeah. I would start Duke Johnson over Mike Davis this week, assuming David Johnson is out. Yeah. I would agree with that one as well. At wide out the, it's a tougher coverage matchup for DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson outside than it is for Curtis Samuel in the slot. But the last time these two teams met, um, both DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson saw 10 plus targets. Each of them caught at least eight balls. Each of them topped a hundred yards. So I'm not going to worry too much about the matchup for either of those guys here. And I, I've seen people asking this week, whether they should start Robbie Anderson. I mean, I, you'd have to be stacked to bench Robbie Anderson. He saw another 13 targets last week. He has eight plus targets in seven of his nine games this season. Only four wide receivers have seen more total targets. So he, he's a must start. DJ Moore's volume is ridiculously low. Just three targets last week on 49 Teddy Bridgewater attempts. You know, Curtis Samuel had nine targets last week. So, you know, DJ Moore, like you said, had the big game against Tampa. But, you know, he, he's clearly behind Robbie Anderson at this point. We'll see about Curtis Samuel. Yeah, and Curtis Samuel's target shares are up over the past four games versus the first four. He saw 12.8% over his first four games, 17.7% over his past four. He missed week six. Saw a season low two targets in the first meeting with the Bucs. Like I said, it's a good coverage matchup for him. So I think that he's kind of in that wide that wide receiver four territory that we saw, that we talked about before. We'll see who gets more between him and DJ Moore, though, because before last week, the target count wasn't really up anywhere particularly high. And 17% is still not a huge number. Yeah, and Samuel's definitely just due, so, due for some regression. He's got 24 of 25 targets over the last four games. That's not going to continue. He is still seeing pretty consistent work on the ground, you know, like a handful of carries per game. He's averaging 17 rushing yards and half a touchdown per game over his last four. And, you know, with McCaffrey out, that might bring a little boost. So I, I still prefer DJ Moore, but it's, you know, closer than it should be. I think Samuel is a you know decent wide receiver three play this week. I would rather avoid Teddy Bridgewater if I can, but he's kind of in the neighborhood with Ryan Tannehill where I wouldn't go crazy yeah. to get rid of him. There's some shootout potential here. The Bucks have not been as good on defense over the past couple weeks, both against the Saints and the Giants before that. And Teddy Bridgewater threw 42 times in the first meeting with the Bucks, threw for 367 yards. It didn't end up being a great fantasy day because he didn't throw for any touchdowns and he did throw for two interceptions. But I mean, that's still the kind of game that you would want to target for a fantasy starter. Right. 79% completion rate and 8.7 yards per attempt for Bridgewater in that game. So he, he was good. Like you said, just didn't get the touchdowns. And yeah, Tampa, big game to Drew Brees. You know, Daniel Jones had a big game for Daniel Jones standards. Derek Carr had 284 yards and two scores in the game before that. So yeah, I still think this is a good defense, but they haven't played well the last few games. So yeah, I mean, Bridgewater, Right in there with Tannehill for me, where you know they're just outside our top twelve, not not must bench guys if you don't have a strong you know spot start option available. Yeah, and if you're deciding between a couple of guys like that, I would probably look ahead at the next couple of games to see um, who is going to help you more, and then just roll with that guy rather than you know flip flopping with the waiver wire. Yeah, yep. Uh, anything else from that game? No. Chargers at Dolphins. Dolphins by two and a half over under forty eight. We're watching Justin Jackson this week to see if he's back from his knee issue. Troy Main Pope should be back from his concussion, but we'll have to watch him as well. If Justin Jackson's out, 
I'm playing Troy Mayne Pope first among Chargers running backs. He was already playing ahead of Joshua Kelly before last week, before he was out with his concussion. And then Kalen Balazs stepped in front of Joshua Kelly. So it doesn't look like Joshua Kelly is impressing his coaches right now. Yeah, I, I was surprised when I went and looked, though, and that Kelly actually outsnapped Kalen Balazs last week. Also ran a lot more pass routes, uh, 60% of the routes for Joshua Kelly versus just 26 for Kalen Balazs. So I have no idea what to make of this backfield, honestly. And it's a good matchup, too, against Miami, who's, you know, like bottom five against the run, according to Football Outsiders. But I have no idea how work's going to be split. Kelly did a lot of that on the last drive for the Chargers, though. They spent a long time on the field, and he was the running back for nearly all of it. I think I think Balazs got like the first carry in that drive, and then it was Kelly the rest of the way. So, I mean, to me, who knows exactly why that is? You would think, okay, that shows that they trust Kelly, but it also just might mean they're trying to work quickly so they go with the running back that's been there all season and knows the play calls better. You know, I don't know for sure. I hope that we get Justin Jackson back so that we don't have to guess as much. I would still go with Troy Main Pope over the other guys. But again, we'll watch the whole situation to see who is healthy and available. Yeah, for now, all, all I'd say is I wouldn't trust Kalen Balazs because you know we've yeah. seen a few years of him and I just don't think he's very good. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Justin Herbert until the end of time, so we don't have to talk about him. Yeah, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, both solid plays. Mike Williams, five catches in three of his past four games, and he just missed a pair of touchdown catches last week, including the one at the end of the game that most people have probably seen at this point. It's not an easy matchup versus Dolphins corners, but I, I would have a tough time not playing Mike Williams in wide receiver three range unless I'm pretty strong at the position. Yeah, me too. I mean, he, he's in there with like Corey Davis and John Brown is like the boomer bust wide receiver threes because you can't count on, you know, six plus targets out of Williams. But I mean, I, I just I want to bet on Justin Herbert and I want to bet on Mike Williams talent. So I, I do like him as a wide receiver three, even though the floor is kind of low. Yeah, and it would be Williams over those guys for me. Uh, yeah, me too. Hunter Henry is doing fine on target volume, but he's averaging seven and a half yards per catch over his past four games. And he's been lagging on end zone and red zone opportunities too. You would think that Justin Herbert would be helping him on that front, but he hasn't quite fit into that picture as you might expect their lead tight end to do. I mean, game on the line for the Chargers last week, and they threw the fade to Donald Parham instead of Hunter Henry or Mike Williams. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, like you said, the volume's been there for... Hunter Henry, 6.4 targets per game in Justin Herbert's start. So you're sticking with him. Uh, I'm sort of getting tired of like waiting for a big breakout game for him, though. Yeah, he's basically right now what Evan Ingram was a month ago. I mean, he's he's kind of somebody you have to keep because he's getting it enough, and you know that there's the capacity there to score at some point. And there aren't that many options at tight end, so you're probably not doing a whole lot better on waivers. Yeah, and again, and like, unlike Ingram, this is an offense I want to bet on. So I, I, st I still think like Henry has a higher weekly ceiling than Evan Ingram does. Hmm. I don't know about that. Come on, um, Daniel Jones. I, but if, if we're talking 10 targets for uh, Evan Ingram versus, you know, six for Hunter Henry. Anyway, they're, they're similar. So it, it's not likely, I think, that too many people are sitting there with both of them on a roster. So right. Hunter Henry's okay for you right now. We wish that he were doing more. On the Dolphins side, Preston Williams is on IR with a foot injury. So he's out at least three games. That can only help the target outlook for Devontae Parker. And maybe it makes Mike Jasucki relevant. <laughs> Preston Williams seemed to be emerging as like Tua's favorite target before the injury. He had he had 10 targets in, you know, about a game and a half with Tua. So, you know, it opens up quite a bit of an opportunity for Parker, who I think is a nice wide receiver to play. Kasicki, we'll see. I mean, the, the the playing time has been there. You know, he's, he's running the routes we want to see, but he has just six targets in Tua's two starts so far this season, a 12% target share. It is a good matchup for Kasicki. Um, Football Outsiders has the Chargers 22nd in tight end coverage and their 28th in adjusted points allowed to the position. Uh, Tua was nice against Arizona, but uh, to me, he stops short of being a fantasy option at this point outside of Superflex and two quarterback leagues. Yeah, it, it was a, definitely a nice step forward. Like he looked better than he did against the Rams, um, showed some rushing ability, which is nice to see. I um, you know, still finished the week just 17th among quarterbacks in fantasy points. I think that's sort of what he's going to be like. I don't think there's a huge upside here, especially with Preston Williams out. Yeah. Matt Burrito is back at practice, limited practice on Wednesday after he missed week nine. So we're going to have to watch this backfield leading up to the game. Last week, Salvin Ahmed. Is it Ahmed or Ahmed? I've heard Ahmed, so let's go with that. Yeah, that's what I figured in looking at it. But uh, it, he led last week's backfield in pass routes and carried seven times to just ten, to 10 for Jordan Howard, who was the leader in that category. Patrick Laird barely played. Yeah, the issue here, too, is we might get – I'm expecting to get DeAndre Washington active, who Miami traded for 
last week, wasn't eligible to play last week because of COVID stuff, but he is eligible here. So Breda, Washington, Howard, we'll see if Ahmed stays involved. Um, just a, a backfield I don't, I don't want to mess with. Yeah, the good thing is there's not that much upside to anyone unless yeah. somebody breaks a big play or Jordan Howard happens to get two goal line carries. Uh, so it, it's it's an easier situation to avoid if you're in you know big trouble at running back. I would say Matt Breida or DeAndre Washington could be hail marys. Yeah, I mean, I, like I would use Jordan Wilkins tonight over any of these Dolphins guys. I would probably even you know rather dabble with uh, Troy Main Polk or maybe even Joshua Kelly over the Finns guys. Yeah, not Kelly for me, but the rest of them I agree with. Buffalo Bills at Arizona Cardinals. Cards by two, over under 56, up four from where it started because we are expected points here. It should be a shootout conditions. That favors the target counts for all three Bills receivers. I mean, not I'm not worried at all about Stephon Diggs's potential shadow with Patrick Peterson, especially because Stephon Diggs also moves to the slot. Patrick Peterson does not usually travel there, so not altering my Stephon Diggs plan at all. I do think that the matchup makes John Brown, Cole Beasley more in play than they might be otherwise. Definitely. And I definitely prefer Brown over Beasley. Um, so so Brown, he's going to get a lot of Drake Kirkpatrick, who is 97th in PFF's covered grades among 103 qualifiers. Football Outsiders has the Cardinals 30th in coverage against number two wideouts. So, you know, bo- both sites agree that it's a nice matchup here for Brown. Cole Beasley, his volume has taken a hit when Brown has been healthy. Uh, Beasley's averaged 8.3 targets in the three games Brown has missed or left early, just 4.8 per game in the other six games. So, you know, I'm with you. Passing volume should be up here for Buffalo. It's a shootout, you know, spot. So that helps Beasley. But, you know, I think the the, the volume projection probably isn't as good as it, it looks just, you know, looking at his season-long numbers right now. Yeah, I would play Danny Amendola over Cole Beasley. Uh, he's down there in wide receiver, yeah. low wide receiver four, high wide receiver five range. Yeah, that, that, that'd be tough for me. And hopefully not many people are deciding between Beasley and Amendola. I mean, I think Amendola is a safer target bet. Beasley has more upside just in the, this offense and in this matchup. I can agree with that. Um, Zach Moss played more than Devin Singletary last week, out carried him, uh, saw two targets to Devin Singletary's three. So it looks like Moss over Singletary going forward. Definitely. Like you said, uh, Moss has played more than Singletary in two straight games now. He has 23 carries over that span to just 16 for Singletary. Singletary still has a slight lead in targets and routes, um, but Moss is playing plenty in passing situations too. And we know Moss is the better touchdown bet. So uh, Moss is definitely the better fantasy option going forward. On the Cardinal side, Kenyon Drake returned to practice this week, still limited with the ankle. We'll have to watch him this week to see if he's going to play, but his return would obviously downgrade Chase Edmonds. I still think I'd probably play Edmonds over Kenyon Drake in PPR in Drake's first game back, though. Yeah, Drake's return would at least save me from playing Chase Edmonds in DFS again. I mean, it's just, the Cardinals, run, Cardinals running game outside of Kyler Murray, obviously, just isn't good this season for whatever reason. It was it was great last year and you know, the same system, a lot of the same pieces. You know, Edmonds really struggled efficiency-wise against the Dolphins. Another good matchup here, uh, the Bills – 22nd in Football Outsiders run D, 24th in adjusted points allowed to running backs. I don't know. I guess in PPR, I'd be okay with Edmonds over Drake. I still think if Drake's healthy, he's going to be the better carry bet, though. Yeah, I can agree with that. But we know that he doesn't know how to catch passes anymore. Guess not. DeAndre Hopkins should get a Tredavious White shadow. It didn't hurt DK Metcalf last week. We, it, it, you know, you never know too if Tre'Davious White is actually going to be on DeAndre Hopkins for all of his targets. There's always the chance yeah. of moving him away from him. So I wouldn't alter my plan for DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe just not interested in him for DFS this week. I was going to say, yeah, he's a must start in season long leagues, and he he can beat Trey White. I wouldn't pay out for him in DFS this week. I do like Christian Kirk too. You know, with Trey White likely spending most of the game on DeAndre Hopkins, that's going to put Kirk on Levi Wallace. And Kirk is, you know, the Cardinals have had four straight good passing matchups. Kirk has capitalized on all four. He's had four straight quality fantasy outings now. So I think you you know stick with him uh, as, as a wide receiver three with upside. Yeah, seven plus targets, five plus catches in three of those past four games. And the one he didn't, he scored those two touchdowns on two catches against the Cowboys. So I agree. The, the Trey White matchup does have potential to push more targets toward Christian Kirk in this game. So he's he's a must play in this matchup. I agree. Anything else from that one? That's it. Denver Broncos at Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders by five here, over under a 51. Drew Locke has been the king of garbage time the past two weeks, but I guess since they came back to beat the Chargers, you can't really call that one garbage time. Maybe he's just a comeback artist. I guess we'll see. Overall, I would just say beware of Drew Locke's numbers the past two weeks because if they rely on the Broncos falling 
desperately behind in a game and they don't fall desperately behind in this game, then we just might not get quite the same opportunities. Yeah, it's definitely shaky kind of production to rely on. I mean, I do think Denver probably plays from behind here. It's another good matchup. The Raiders uh, 26th against the pass, according to Football Outsiders. They're 19th in adjusted points allowed to quarterback. So, you know, Locke sitting, he's outside our top 12. I would even count on someone like Tannehill over him still, even in a tough matchup, just because I believe in Tannehill and the offense more. But, I mean, if you're desperate in a deeper league, I, I do think Locke has the potential to, you know, have the type of game he's had the past two weeks. Yeah, there's definitely upside to him this game. There's also downsides. Just make sure you keep that in mind as you're making your your lineup decisions. Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick are options because the matchup is positive. Jerry Judy's beating Tim Patrick in target share in their shared games with Drew Locke so far this year. Patrick's the more consistent catcher. So you would Jerry Judy's the better bet to get more targets, maybe 10 plus even in this game, whereas Tim Patrick is catching the ball at more than 60% rate. Again, they're both in play here, especially if Denver continues to fall behind as they have been, and it's a positive coverage matchup for both guys. Yeah, Judy leads the entire NFL in air yards over the past two weeks. He's getting a bunch of targets, and a bunch of them have been deep downfield. He he did miss Wednesday's practice with a shoulder injury. I didn't see anything in last week's game. He played the entire game, so I think he'll be fine. That's definitely worth monitoring. And then, yeah, Tim Patrick, I mean, he saw nine targets in his return Last week was top 25 in air yards on the week. So, you know, he, he's in play as a wide receiver three as well. Mm-hmm. And so you play either one and then you just pray for Denver to fall behind by three touchdowns in the first half. Philip Lindsay is sharing the backfield with Melvin Gordon nearly evenly when he's healthy. So I think that makes neither guy particularly attractive. It does put both of them in play if you have them on your roster as options. I think there's a better chance this week of them not falling way behind, maybe. I mean, it depends on how the defense is going to play. I don't think that the Raiders are as high-powered an offense as the Falcons right now, but we'll see. I think if you're playing either one, you're hoping that Denver does a better job of keeping up with the with the, uh, the opponent. Yeah, definitely. And the Raiders dead last against the run, according to Football Outsiders. So a nice matchup here. Phil Lindsay has outcarried Melvin Gordon 30-27 to 27 in what's essentially been three full games together. And even target-wise, it's only 12-7 to 7 in favor of Melvin Gordon. So it's not like he's dominating there. Um, so, I mean, non-PPR, these guys are close. You could even argue that Philip Lindsay is the better play at this point. Yeah, I would say Philip Lindsay is the higher upside guy for non-PPR. Uh, again, they're both in play. Neither one's exciting. The strength of schedule page says it's a negative matchup for Noah Fant, but I think he's fairly easily inside the top 12 this week at a weak position. Um, Albert Okwe-Boonham is gone now with an ACL tear, so that should at least help Noah Fant's target outlook. That's the last time we'll have to pronounce Albert O's name all year, I guess, since he's done. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I mean, Football Outsiders has the Raiders tough against tight ends too. Noah Fant also... I think he re-injured the same ankle here before, or he injured the other ankle, whatever it was. He was, he was, you know, he missed some time. He did return, but, you know, he was clear at less than 100%, was limited in Wednesday's practice. So I think he's going to play on Sunday, but, you know, he's he's not at 100%, which obviously, you know, hurts the upside on a guy who, you know, relies on that speed. Mm-hmm. Good luck finding a fill-in tight end, though, if you yeah, want to yeah, eventually. Yep. Uh, the Raiders have leaned more conservative over the past two weeks. It made sense in Cleveland a couple weeks ago when it was rainy and windy and cold, but they also did the, the same thing this past week against the Chargers, running the ball a lot, probably at least in part because of offensive line injuries for the Raiders. They were missing both tackles, missing a guard for weeks. Uh, I think that they would probably like to play this game similarly, get a lead and, and slow the game down, run Josh Jacobs a lot. They could still be without both starting tackles. Um, and Josh Jacobs is off the injury report this week after heading into last week's game questionable. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look back to the summer, we kind of expected the Raiders to you know be a run-leaning team when they could. Um, so yeah, Derek Carr, just 24 and 23 pass attempts over the last two weeks. That's left him outside the top 20 fantasy quarterbacks in both. I mean, he's, he's still playing well, but it's, it's just tough if you're only throwing the ball, you know, 25 times good matchup here the Broncos 28th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks the Raiders have a 28 point implied total so I mean I think Carr's a decent play just got to hope that Denver can you know keep it close enough where he has to keep throwing right I mean he's basically Kirk Cousins right now and he doesn't even have Adam Thielen so did Derek Carr is a fringe play because he's playing just fine but like you said the problem is is passing volume um, the Broncos did have some injuries at cornerback last week, too, so we'll have to keep an eye on who's available there. That could help. Colton Miller missed practice. Like I said, the, one of the starting tackles, Trent Brown, is currently on the COVID list, so we're going to have to see who's available there. 
For the Raiders, I'm not playing any pass catchers beyond Darren Waller unless I absolutely have to. I agree. I mean, the volume just isn't coming for Henry Ruggs. He, he's out in the field. He's not getting targeted. Maybe, maybe he's you know just not not as good as the Raiders evidently thought he was when they took him ahead of Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. But we'll see. Um, Nelson Aguilar keeps scoring, but he's not getting enough volume to be a reliable fantasy option. Hunter Renfro is back to like a you know two thirds of the routes type of guy with Ruggs and Aguilar healthy. So yeah, I agree. I don't want anything to do with those Raiders wideouts. Cincinnati Bengals at Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers by seven in this one, over under 46. To me, a seven-point line in this game is underrating the Bengals a little bit. I'm not saying that they're real good, but I think they have enough offense to make this game closer than that. I mean, the the key is going to be if they can keep Joe Burrow clean and give him any time because, you know, that offensive line against the Steelers pass rush, that's going to be the issue. I think if Burrow has time, you know, with his receivers, he, he can do some damage here. Still no practice for Joe Mixon on Wednesday with his foot injury. It's not a great spot for Gio Bernard, obviously, but workload keeps him in play for this game. Yeah, um, 28 carries and nine targets for Bernard in the two games Mixon missed before the bye. It sounds like Mixon wasn't practicing again on Thursday. So I, I think he's not going to play. Um, you know, Bernard is like a volume-based RB2 in this matchup, though. I, I don't think he's going to have much efficiency. It's kind of crazy how much time Mixon's missing now when you consider that he came back into that game against the Colts after suffering the injury. Yeah, great point. T. Higgins and A.J. Green, both just outside of wide receiver three range in our PPR rankings. Tyler Boyd inside the top 24. It's not a great matchup for anybody. The Steelers look like they're going to get slot corner Mike Hilton back from injury. He missed the past two with a shoulder injury. Full practice on Wednesday, though. But he was around for both meetings last year, plus uh, Tyler Boyd only meeting with the Steelers the year before. Tyler Boyd went three for 33 and five for 101 in a touchdown last year, seven for 62 and two touchdowns in that lone 2018 meeting. So uh, Tyler Boyd is just, you know, basically somebody that you're going to start most weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he's an every week starter regardless of matchup. He's averaging eight and a half targets per game. And again, with the pressure, I think Burrow's going to be under in this game. You know, Boyd, who easily has the lowest average depth of target among these three wide receivers. You know, he's more of the short range guy. I think, you know, he, he's going to be the guy Burrow's going to have to look to when he's you know not going to have a ton of time in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Try not to play Joe Burrow in this game, but you know, yeah. there's no side to him. Yep. On the Pittsburgh side, what are we doing with this set of receivers? Play them all. I mean, especially in this matchup, the Bengals are 27th in adjusted fantasy points, tight ends. I mean, Deontay Johnson, every game he's healthy. He gets 10 plus targets. Four out of five healthy games this season, he has double digit targets. Juju Smith Schuster is heated up. He's averaging 7.3 catches, 82 yards per game over the last three. And then Chase Claypool, I mean, he has 22 targets over the last two games. He's, I think, the most volatile Steelers wide receiver, the highest upside, probably the, the lowest floor. I think he's probably the worst target bet among the three. But again, in this matchup, I'm starting all three guys pretty comfortably. Yeah, I agree. They're all within the top 36 in our rankings. If you have any of them, I think they're certainly worth using. Good good luck picking whichever one's the best one in a given week. That's the yeah. tough part. But when they all have a good spot, I mean, it's a good problem to have. Yep. Good matchup for Eric Ebron as well. And his target counts have been mostly solid this year. Just two games all season of fewer than five targets. So he's a pretty, he's a decent start. Yeah, I mean, 5.9 targets per game for Ebron since week one. That's kind of all we can ask for at tight end and the Bengals are 27th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. San Francisco 49ers at New Orleans Saints. Saints by 10 over under 48 and a half down two and a half points. Still no practice for Debo Samuel with the hamstring injury on Wednesday. So it doesn't look like he's going to be available for the, for this week. Brandon Ayuk low in wide receiver three territory for the Niners and, and pretty much nothing else on this offense. If I can help it. Yeah. And that might, that might be too low for Ayuk. Um, Kendrick Bourne's back on the COVID list. So, you know, I don't know if he's going to end up playing this week. Trent Taylor's dealing with a back injury. So, I mean, Richie James might get another opportunity after his massive game. But I, I think Ayuk, um, especially when Debo's been out, he's kind of clearly been the Niners' top wide receiver. The Saints' pasty hasn't been great this season. Marshawn Lattimore in particular has been bad. So, again, I think Ayuk um, is a guy we might have to move up the rankings a bit. Yeah, I could see that. There, he's in a, a kind of a nebulous range. Um, it would it would be nice if Richie James gets another shot, especially if he heads into a game not questionable. It's a yeah. good matchup for tight end, but I don't know who's going to play more between Ross Dwelly and Jordan Reed. If we get some kind of clarity on Jordan Reed heading into the game, then he's a good option here. But I mean, if we go into the game and he plays another fifteen snaps or so, 
he, he's going to hurt you. Yeah, just 26% of the routes for Reed last week. I, I definitely think that's going to grow. And, you know, he'll, he'll have had 10 days to rest up uh, since San Francisco's last game. But I would I would definitely want to see him out there more before using him in fantasy lineups. I have one team where I have to start two tight ends every week, and I started both Dwelly and Jordan Reed last week, and I think I'm going to end up doing it again. Yeah. It's ugly. It hurts. <laughs> On the state side, you're playing everyone. Michael Thomas's return just might make Drew Brees a weekly starter again. He had a big game against the Bucks yeah. Sunday night was the first time all season we've actually seen a healthy Michael Thomas. And, I mean, even that was still a, a somewhat limited Michael Thomas. Didn't play his usual snap allotment, and he's still limited in practice this week. So, obviously, not all the way back. Yeah, Brees has been a top 12 fantasy quarterback in four straight games now. Um, and now, like you said, he has Michael Thomas back. He's at home where we always like playing him. The, the Niners defense is not one to be afraid of. They've allowed uh, four touchdowns in two straight games. It's been the Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, Jared Goff got him for two touchdowns two games before that. Ryan Fitzpatrick scored three touchdowns against them. Uh, so not a defense to be afraid of. I think Breeze is, you know, a top, top eight option this week in our rankings. Anything else from that game? Um, no, I, uh, Traquan Smith still ran ahead of Emmanuel Sanders, even though Sanders out-targeted him five to two last week. I'm not saying, I'm not saying start Traquan Smith, but I just think Emmanuel Sanders is still someone we can't rely on. Cause I'm, I think one of those guys will probably have a nice game this week, but I'm not, I'm not sure which one it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, if you're picking between them, I would still go Emmanuel Sanders, but I'm certainly not betting money on either of those guys. Yep. Seattle Seahawks at Los Angeles Rams. Rams by two here, over under a 55 and a half. Should be a points bonanza. Still no practice for Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde on Wednesday. Um, Pete Carroll said earlier this week that Carson was closer to returning than Hyde. Have you heard anything on their Thursday statuses? No, and I don't care what Pete Carroll says. And he made it seem like Carson was going to come back the week after he got hurt. So at this point, I would plan on Carson not playing. Um, and unfortunately we kind of have to avoid this backfield because it turned into a three man committee. Like we were afraid of last week. You know, DJ Dallas was still like the guy early in the game. It's when Seattle fell behind pretty big. That's sort of when they went more to Travis Homer. I think, you know, Homer might be the pass catching two minute drill type of guy. I mean, if I, if I had to play one of these, it'd be DJ Dallas, but, um, you know, with three guys involved, it's, it's, it's a, a backfield to try to avoid if you can. And it's a worse matchup this week for the backfield than it was last week against Buffalo. So if you can avoid it, avoid it. And if you can't, then I throw a dart because yep. we're, we're guessing at this point. Yep. Um, at least everything on the pass offense is much more obvious. you have anything more for the Seahawks side? No, just uh, we have to avoid Seahawks tight ends now because th- that's a three-man committee. Not only is Will Disley involved, but Jacob Hollister is involved too. He saw seven targets last week. So Greg, Greg Olson is off the radar. He's droppable. Yeah. I agree. If he wasn't already off your roster on the Rams side, no practice for Daryl Henderson coming off the bye on Wednesday with his quad issue. Any word on his Thursday participation yet? McVeigh said Thursday that Henderson's going to play, which is what he said prior to the bye week. But I mean, Henderson not practicing Wednesday has me questioning that a bit. I mean, we'll we'll see. I guess if Henderson plays, he's still the best bet for carries. You know, he he's been that all season. But Malcolm Brown has been the pass catching back. Cam Akers maybe gets a bigger role coming out of the bye. And, this, and the Seahawks' run defense is good, and teams don't really try to run against them because their pass defense is so bad. So it, not, not a good spot for the Rams' backfield this week. And because they're scoring so many points, they kind of force it. it. It might help if K.J. Wright is out, one of the starting linebackers for Seattle. He's um, a little iffy with his own injury on that side. So, you know, maybe that helps the rushing matchup. Certainly not one to target, but Daryl Henderson might be usable in that case. Good matchup for the wide receivers. You're probably starting Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup anyway. And it's a great spot for Jared Goff if you're looking in that streaming range of quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is still the only quarterback who's failed against Seattle. And as we've said, if you combine Garoppolo and Nick Mullins numbers from that game, that quarterback would have finished quarterback seven on the week. So, you know, Goff, I feel good about as my quarterback one this week. I think Josh Reynolds is, you know, at least a DFS tournament flyer, maybe even someone you – have to turn to in season long. He's been on the field for three straight games now, 86 plus percent of the routes in three straight. And he's seen 22 targets in those games. And, you know, we know the Seahawks wide receiver defense, just easily, easily the worst in the league. They're, they're providing a 75% scoring boost to wide receivers. 
The next worst team is providing a 26% scoring boost. And Jared Goff is a good one to pick up for this week. Like we were talking about the, the streaming types and, and maybe not dropping Ryan Tannehill for somebody, but Jared Goff, I think is is somebody worth picking up if he's available because he has this one. I believe their other matchup with Seattle is in week 16. So if this one goes well, you could get a week 16 start from him. Week 13, he has another favorable matchup. I think it's Arizona. So there are some usable spots for Jared Goff. You're just going to have to be careful uh, who you start him against because when it's a when it's a bad matchup, Jared Goff can kill your fantasy lineup. Yeah, Seattle also doesn't have much of a pass rush, which is what we tend to worry about with Goff. Mm-hmm. Anything else on the Rams side? Tyler Higby, you cannot use. Uh, Gerald Everett ran more routes and saw more targets than Higby in their last game out. So kind of like the Seahawks tight ends, I think you just got to avoid Rams tight ends for now. Yep, unfortunately. Baltimore Ravens at New England Patriots. Ravens by seven and a half here. Over under is 44 because the Patriots aren't going to score any points. It's an ugly game for fantasy. I mean, Lamar Jackson's obvious, but... Otherwise, I think if you have a close call with any Ravens offensive player and somebody else, I would lean towards somebody else. Yeah, and and I guess you're assuming Mark Ingram is going to be back when you say that. Yeah. New England is now 31st in Football Outsiders overall defensive DVOA. Um, I I think the Jags are the only defense worse than New England. Football Outsiders has them 30th against the pass, 31st against the run. I I think the Ravens running game should have a, a big one here. That includes Lamar Jackson. That includes the running backs, obviously. If Mark Ingram's back, it becomes a lot tougher to rely on any of those guys. If Ingram's still out, I'd feel pretty good about uh, both Dobbins and Gus Edwards. I would like to say I believe that as well, but the Patriots are all over the place. I mean, they'll stink against the Jets when they did have a lot of defenders that were uh, questionable or out for that game. If they get some of those guys back healthy, maybe they're better. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that they stifled the Chiefs. They held off. Darren Waller. So I don't know. I guess yeah. I'm not ready to say that they're that they're that beatable to in any particular aspect. Well, the, the, the one thing they've been good at this season is stopping tight ends. They're first in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. Football Outsiders has them second. Like you said, they shut down Darren Waller, two catches for nine yards. Travis Kelsey had three for 70 against them. George Kittle had five for 55. So, you know, not not a good spot spot for Mark Andrews to get going. Um, but again, I, I'm 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 convinced the run defense is bad they've allowed 5.0 yards per carry to running backs over the last four games those those games have come against denver san francisco buffalo and the jets so not like a you know really tough stretch of, of run offenses yeah certainly upside to the running game if you can guess the right guy assuming mark ingram is back yeah. and in the passing game i think it's still not a great spot marquise brown i would like to not have to use we had a couple of marquise brown questions um, in the chat over here, one says Matt Breida or Hollywood Brown in flex PPR. I would have to stick with Marquise Brown there without knowing how much of Matt Breida will actually get. Yeah, unless like Breida puts in full practices these next two days and we hear that he's the lead guy, I'd go with Hollywood Brown. I mean, we, we, we just saw the Jets wide receivers, you know, get deep on the Patriots. We'll see if Stefan Gilmore is back for this game. He was limited on Wednesday. He was also limited last Thursday and Friday before missing the Jets game. If, if he's back, um, you know, that makes it a much tougher matchup for Brown. And then another question, Tim Patrick or Hollywood Brown in full PPR. I think I'd probably go Tim Patrick. <laughs> I, I think I would too. Um, I, I definitely would go Patrick if Gilmore's back. On the Patriots side, just try not to use any of them. We're going to have to watch Damian Harris's injury situation this week. I think it, you could potentially use Rex Burkhead, you know, way down the running back list right. if Damian Harris is out. But there's definitely nothing here to be reaching for. I, Jacoby Myers, I think, is in play but I would assume that he's not going to have a big game against Baltimore. Yeah, I would assume he's not going to have a game like he had against the Jets, but, I mean, he has 24 targets over the last two games now, and he's been – he looks good. He's been efficient on those targets, 75% catch rate, 12.6 yards per catch. It it is a tough matchup, though, especially with Marlon Humphrey back for the Ravens, who's their primary slot corner. That's who Myers will see most of. So tough matchup, but a guy I think you can count on for, you know, seven-plus targets. Minnesota Vikings at Chicago Bears to round things out. Vikings by two and a half on the road, over under a 43 and a half. I would love to not play Vikings wide receivers here if I can help it. I mean, both of those guys are still in starter range in the rankings. But, you know, again, if it's if it's close between Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson and somebody else, I would tend to lean the other way. Tough matchup. The Bears second in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. Still a matchup I think Thielen and Jefferson can both win when you just look at them versus the Bears corners. The, the problem for those guys the past two games has just been volume. I mean, Kirk Cousins has 34 pass attempts over the past 
two games now. The Bears' run defense is better than what the Vikings have faced the last two weeks. The Bears should be able to keep this close. I mean, it's a, a two-and-a-half, three-point spread. So I think Cousins' passing volume will be up enough to make Thielen and Jefferson fine fantasy plays. Fine, but I would, I would, I would not – consider them high ceiling guys this week. It's a better matchup for Irv Smith, actually, if you're looking for a, a fairly deep tight end, you know, tight end two range, better matchup for tight end than it is for any other position. That's basically the only position that Chicago is not a negative scoring matchup for. We can't count on a whole lot of targets, but you know, there's some upside. Yeah. I mean, Irv Smith ran just nine pass routes last week. It was a 41% route rate. He, he had been at 73 plus percent in three straight games. So you know, maybe he gets back to that. He, he should get back to that in this matchup. Like you said, it should be a game where they, you know, feature the tight ends more. Um, but you, know, you, you can't rank Smith as like a top 12 play after that usage last week. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to depend some on, how things go with Dalvin Cook. Obviously, you're expecting a good game, but if it's a, if Dalvin Cook tramples them and they get up by 14, then that's yeah. going to leave less opportunity available. If Chicago halts him a bit, you know, at least compared to what Dalvin Cook's been doing over the past few weeks, then maybe we get a little bit more passing volume from Minnesota. Yeah, listen, Dalvin Cook's awesome, and like he's obviously still a top three RB play this week. I think it's worth noting, though, that the, the last two defenses he's faced, 31st and 32nd, in adjusted points allowed to running backs. He's he literally played the two worst RB defenses the last two weeks. So don't expect another 200 yards and you know multiple touchdowns from, from Cook on Monday night. Yeah, the Chicago defense did limit Derrick Henry just last week. Yep. On the Bears' side, it's a positive matchup for Darnell Mooney, and I'm still leaning his way over Anthony Miller despite the uptick in targets for Miller the past two weeks. Mooney and Miller both have 24 targets over the last three weeks. That's tied for the team lead. Allen Robinson only has 20 targets over that span. Darnell Mooney also leads Robinson in air yards over the last three weeks. I mean, at this point, he's getting too much volume. More should be going to Allen Robinson. But, yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked about Mooney. He's going to remain inefficient because of Nick Foles. But the Vikings are 29th against wide receivers. So I, I think Mooney is definitely in play this week. Anything else on the Bears side? I think it's other kind of obvious stuff. Jimmy Graham's pretty much a weekly starter at this point. Allen Robinson's a weekly starter, even if they're not giving them the ball enough. And the backfield is even more – something that you want to avoid now that David Montgomery is out. We don't know Montgomery's out yet, right? He's trying to clear concussion protocol. He has an extra day to get cleared, so we'll see. If he's out, I mean, I don't know. They have Ryan Nall. They have Lamar Miller on the practice squad. They could use Cordell Patterson more in the backfield. It would, it would be a situation to avoid if there's no Montgomery. And, I mean, the extra day does give him that chance to get back, but it also means that they have an extra day to make you wait and see if David Montgomery is going to get cleared. So – I kind of doubt that we'll know before the early games yeah. on Sunday whether David Montgomery is going to play. But, you know, it's definitely a situation to watch into the weekend. Yeah, I would say set your lineup without Montgomery for now. Even if you're deciding between, like, Jordan Wilkins and David Montgomery, I'd probably just play Wilkins tonight. Mm. That's going to do it for this Week 10 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can check out our full Week 10 rankings. Get your lineups prepared for this weekend. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShoutDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Small and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us.